Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hello, it's Luke Jones here. In the week between Christmas and New Year, we are having a good old flick through our back catalogue to bring you some of our best episodes from 2023. Today, the absolutely bonkers tale of one of Britain's greatest con artists. So I was driving down this lane in Monmouthshire, this narrow lane in the middle of nowhere. There were literally sheep crossing the road, trying to find this woman called Laura Colvin. As the lane got narrower and I got further and further away from the village and general life, I just became less convinced that she would be at the end of it. And I found this farmhouse and I knocked on the door And she opened it, and I told her that I was looking for a man called Jodie Oliver and was wondering if she'd known him. And she just said, I've been waiting for this moment. You have no idea how much more there is to this story. When Megan Agnew, a news features writer for The Sunday Times, crossed that threshold back in September last year. Little did she know it would start a nine-month adventure to uncover one of Britain's most brazen conmen, Jodie Oliver. For two decades, he lived different fake lives, made up ludicrous things about himself and what he could do, scammed those who grew close to him, and blagged millions of pounds. And every time it looked like he'd been busted and the whole scheme had collapsed around him, he just dusted himself off, started again and took things up a gear. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, the seven lives of the two million pound fraudster. Megan, you're in the middle of rural Wales, speaking to this woman, she's got a story to tell you. Who is she? How does she fit into this story? Laura Colvin was the employee of a man called Jodie Oliver, who had just been sent to prison for six years for fraud. I'd read about it in the newspaper. He had pretended to be a cruise ship captain and had a male fiancé and had conned all of these pensioners out of a lot of money for fake cruise ship tickets. And it turned out they had a wife and a family and a different name back at home Mm. in Brecon. And I just thought it was the wildest story and was convinced that there was something more to it. Mm. And so meeting Laura was the beginning 
of me trying to track down the people who publicly were linked to him. And she was really the first person that opened the door to the rest of these lives Mm. that I found out that he had been living. And when you say all these different lives, how many identities are we talking about? We've counted seven identities, at least. Gosh, names including? Names including Jody, which is his birth name, Jonathan Kane, Johan, John, Joe, Joey and Jonathan. And spanning what kind of professions? So he has pretended to be a cruise ship captain, a BA pilot, a police officer a car salesman who spoke Swedish and also this kind of playboy trust fund kid who was friends with Boris Johnson and went to Margaret Thatcher's funeral. But didn't. But didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into him and and all his lives then, where is he at this point? Jodie Oliver's in prison at the moment. Last summer, he was sentenced to six years for the cruise ship fraud And then last month, he was sentenced for a further 18 counts of fraud and theft. So he's going to be in prison now until 2026 at the earliest. Hmm. So Jodie Oliver, born in Wales, I I guess. Born in Wales, born in Knighton, which is a small town on the Herefordshire border. And he came from a modest happy family Mm. who's popular in the community. His mum was a teacher, his dad was a builder and he had an older brother and they mucked around fiddling with cars and playing in woods and doing sort of countryside things. And at school he was seemingly pretty average. I've tracked down one of his teachers and I thought that Knowing his history of all these identities, he must have been a child or a teenager who was slightly odd or maybe a pathological liar as he turned out to be later in life. And the teacher just said that he was a wallflower. He said he didn't remember him doing anything remarkable at all. He was a middling child and that was that. Ouch. (laughs) So beyond school then, how... How middling, for want of a better phrase, was was his life going forward? Did it look pretty normal? Well, the first part of his life in his 20s is pretty regular. He marries his childhood sweetheart, who he actually met at nursery, who lived in the village. They have three kids together. He starts this driving training school locally, which is for lorry drivers and commercial drivers. And so far, so normal. And it's around then that he begins to dabble in some fraudulent, slightly dodgy behaviour. In what way? So he starts this slot machine company, starts three of them actually, and he submits payments to the HMRC that just didn't exist in order to reclaim VAT. Mm. So he reclaims £23,000 worth of VAT that he shouldn't have done. Mm. He also begins to ask his family for money. So he asks his father-in-law for a hundred grand because he says that he's locked out of his NatWest bank account. But perhaps the most unsettling of them all is 
this relationship that he formed with the rally car driver, Colin McRae, who later died in a helicopter crash. So at the time, they form a friendship through this driver training school. And Jody tells him that he has connections that can get Colin McRae a three million pound sponsorship deal from Coca-Cola. Mm. And he also tells a younger rally car driver, Chris Meek, they get him a 300,000 euro sponsorship deal from Ryanair. But he can't. Neither of them exist. (laughs) They're completely fabricated. He gets taken to court because he's fabricated all of these documents. Mm -hmm. But the weirdest thing is that there was absolutely no financial gain in it for him. It was just lying almost for the sake of it. It was lying for the sake of it. And it was inevitably going to come out. (laughs) That three million quid wouldn't arrive in Colin McRae's bank account. So he's taken to court for trying to set up fake sponsorship between Coca-Cola and Colin McRae. And as I understand it, those charges will come up again a little bit later on. But for now, he's still using his own name in these cons. We weren't yet into the territory of different names and personas. When did he start doing that? So he decides to go to Newport. This is about 2011 and, and he's 34 years old. This is really the beginning of the first fully formed fake identity. He spends his weekends there and his weeks with his family in Brecon. And he tells his family that he's doing death duty, that he's working at an undertaker's looking after bodies, basically, preparing bodies. In Newport, he goes on a dating app, meets a young guy called Reese Burgess, who's 19. Hmm. And they begin this romantic relationship. Reese obviously has no idea that he's married with children. In fact, Jodie's telling him that he's 28 years old and that his name is Jonathan Flynn Oliver. So, new town, new boyfriend, separate from his wife and family. Um, How is their life together? What actually does it consist of? Well, for someone who's running out of money, Jody or Jonathan, as he's calling himself, is spending a lot of it in Mm. Newport. So, he's driving Range Rovers. They're going to Paris and having dinners up the Eiffel Tower. He's showering him with gifts and... Sort of roses and Swarovski crystals and he's really going for it on the spending. Mm. They also move into a little house together on a new build estate and this is where they live as a couple. Also on the walls of that house are photographs of Jodie's own children which mm. he's telling his boyfriend are his sister's kids. There are so many details of this that sound as if he's baiting the people around him. He's really bold. And testing how far he can take it. Yeah. And where's the money coming from for this double life? I mean, is the wife not saying, where's all this money going for a, for a flat elsewhere? Well, he's taking out a lot of payday loans. Yeah. He's got 100 grand from his father-in-law. Mm. He's got 23 grand from his VAT scam. He does have companies which are bringing in some money, but he is beginning to 
live off the money that he is scamming from other people. Yes. And let's go into this big first fully fledged scam where he starts scamming those around him in quite a big organised way. So he's living with Reese. He proposes and they're planning on getting married. They're planning on moving to America. And they have seemingly a great romance. Reese is from Newport and is surrounded by a close-knit community. And this is who Jodie, or Jonathan as he's going as, mm. decides to trick. He tells them all that he's been headhunted by P&O Cruises to be one of their cruise ship captains. <laughs> so he gets the uniform, he gets a lanyard, and he sits in the Alma Tavern, which is a pub in Newport that his fiance's family and friends go to. And he sits at the pub and tells people he can get them friends and family discounted cruise ship tickets. And these are mainly retirees, pensioners who have worked really hard for the money that they have and want to spend £7,000 on two cruises. And so this is what really brings in the money. He continues this for a year and he is sending them the details of the cabin that they've booked, the name of the captain on the cruise, the expeditions that they can do when they get to San Francisco, the car company that's going to pick them up from the airport, the hotel that they'll stay in when they arrive. It is immensely detailed. So what happens when that clearly isn't the case? So this scam is obviously going to run out of time because the boat has to leave the port. And the first cruise was supposed to leave on the 30th of December 2018. And the group of locals from Newport are waiting on the side of the road for their airport transport to take them on the cruise and their bags are packed and it never arrives. And that is when, after various calls to P&O and to the airline and the airport transfer taxi company, they realise that he is not who he says he is and he disappears. And they find that out standing outside their homes, surrounded by suitcases. How many of them and how much money had been had been spent on this? There were 21 names mentioned by the prosecution in the court case who had been victim to him in this time. It was only a year that he was running this scam and he obtained over £320,000 from them. And so he's disappeared, as you say. He disappears from, from this scene, this life. Now, if, if you and I disappear, we wouldn't have anywhere to go. He obviously has his other, other life to go back to. Um, so what happens there when, when he's back in, in Brecon? So people from Newport managed to contact people from Brecon and it gets out that he wasn't a family man at all. He was living another life in Newport. But not only that, he'd conned the people who he had befriended there mm. out of hundreds of thousands of pounds. And this is a really close-up 
form of fraud. This isn't calling someone and pretending to be their bank manager. He was living in Newport for seven years. And what did his wife do with that news? So this is around this time that they separate. I see. And he moves out of that home. So you'd think then, with both these lives he's been running simultaneously collapsing in front of him and this big scam he had, hundreds of thousands of pounds worth collapsing, you'd imagine that's curtains. Sure, you you would, yeah, but it didn't. It This was really just the beginning. Coming up, one scam has unravelled, but, yes, you guessed it, the story gets even stranger. That's in a moment. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Jodie Oliver has had this big scam with the cruise ship fail. Um, his wife has left him in Brecon. The boyfriend that he had in Newport and the other life, that has ended as, as well. Where does he go? Where does he set about rebuilding a, another life? Well, within days of being found out and within days of being questioned by the police about this cruise ship con, he gets in his car and he drives to Worcestershire And this is when he begins the big identity number two. He calls himself Joey Oliver. And he gets this job as a car salesman at a Volvo garage. And he was a very good car salesman. Make of that what you will. (laughs) But while he's this car salesman, this Joey... Mm. He's told people there that he's come from the Volvo garages in Sweden. Sweden? Sweden. Okay. And he can speak Swedish. Can he speak Swedish? Well, (laughs) no one else at the garage could. (laughs) I see, and that's the, yeah. So he used to spend his lunch breaks on the phone to colleagues in Sweden speaking Swedish. And 
one of his Worcester colleagues just thought, there's no way. There is no way this is Swedish. So he left his phone in the room with him, recorded the conversation, whacked it through Google Translate, and it was total gibberish. God, but what was the point of that, pretending to be a, a Swedish car salesman? That's just a, a pointless lie. Was, was there any way he was actually trying to get money out of people? It was all part of the inference that he was knowledgeable and authoritative and he did know a lot about Volvos. <laughs> they said that they were quite shocked by how much he knew about these strange details of the cars and the safety systems. And so he had obviously, from his home, been researching these cars. But for what purpose? What's the scam? So where he's living, he's surrounded by by these quite wealthy, horsey people Mm. who he is befriending. And he's telling them that he can buy them, yet again, friends and family discounted cars and shares in Volvo. So he's taking cash from them for cars and shares that, like the cruise ships, just don't exist. And how much are we talking So he steals over £35,000 from a woman who's nearly 90 and was a friend of his for these fake shares in Volvo. And another £15,000 from her for a car which didn't exist. And this is up close, cut and dry, fraud. So surely he must get into trouble. Well, this is when everything begins to catch up with him. So he is arrested from his home in early 2020, and this is related to the cruise ship scam. And this is really where people in Worcestershire realise that he's not Joey at all. He is Jody, the name that the police used to drag him out of his home that day. So yet again, we've got another scam which he's made money from, which has also failed, has also got him in touch, uh, in contact with the authorities, this must be it. He hangs up his scammer's hat. He's done. Well, then he ends up in Bedford, of all places. <laughs> Brecon, Newport, Worcester, now Bedford. New identity, new scam. New identity, new scam. He has a brief stint as another car salesman, which he uses the name Joe and fleeces people out of... 15 grand for yet more cars that don't exist. Disappears as Joe, comes back in the same town as John. (laughs) And this is the final go at it. And this is a last hurrah. And this is when he really goes for it. He says that his name is John Oliver. He knocks a few years off his age And he says that he's a British Airways pilot. Mm. He says that he's inherited £30 million from a grandmother. He says that he's been disowned by his parents for his sexuality. And he goes on a dating app and he meets a young guy called Liam Britton. And they have this immediately intense romantic relationship. You know, from their first date, they're spending every night together. Mm. Where is, in all of this, as we've said before, the scam? Because there must be one. 
So, yet again, he approached Liam's family and told them he could get them, yet knock off BA tickets and tickets to the Formula One, none of which existed. And why do they believe him? He was showing them scans of a passport that said his name was John Oliver. And he was showing them fake bank statements that said he had 1.6 million quid in cash in his account and was being paid by BA. And he managed to get his hands on a BA pilot uniform and would come and pick Liam up from work in it. You know, he was legit. But like with the the cruise ship scam, if he's offering people tickets, if he's offering them on flights, if he's offering them tickets to the Formula One and the rest, there must have been points at which that didn't materialise and people thought, what's happening here? Exactly. And the tickets to the Formula One, Liam's elderly relatives got to Silverstone. They'd spent £7,000 and the tickets weren't on the door, obviously. And after hours of waiting and after hours of John calling up, apparently, he said that he'd been scammed and they had to get in the car and go home. So not only are these scams and products that he's selling completely fabricated, but they also have a really clear date of delivery. Yeah. So he's really giving himself a ticking clock. So again and again, he keeps getting found out. But this doesn't necessarily end it. Him and Liam's relationship continues. He manages to talk his way out of that one. So Liam and John, the BA pilot, moved to London. And John, as we know, apparently has this £30 million trust fund. And again, he is living the high life and talking about how much money he has. So they find this new group of friends in Soho, this sort of quite glamorous, sceny Soho crowd. And he tells them that he can get them discounted tickets with BA. Now, they told me that they paid him over £30,000 for those tickets, which obviously didn't exist. And he was, I suppose, using the money that they were paying him to take them out to lunch. But it's all beginning to catch up with him. He's being investigated for the cruise ships by the police. He's being investigated in Worcester for selling fake cars. He's actually on a suspended sentence from making up these VAT repayments. And this is when, really, it all comes crashing down. One of his friends in Soho gets a message from someone in Newport saying, this man is not who he says he is. His name is Jodie Oliver. Google him. Mm. They Google him and the Colin McRae scam comes up from decades ago. So what do they do with it? So in true Soho style, allegedly, they confronted him at the Garrick restaurant. And it was them and Jonathan and Liam, and they sit him down. This is what they told me later. They sit him down and they say to him, we know who you are. We know that your name is Jodie Oliver. You're not John Oliver, a BA pilot at all. 
And according to them, he turned around and said, I knew this moment would come. Jodie Oliver is my twin brother. (laughs) Evil twin brother. An evil twin brother. He manages to persuade Liam that he does have a twin brother. And you kind of think, why on earth would Liam still believe this? Hmm. But Jodie was showing him reams and reams of text messages going back years with his twin brother, Jodie. And Liam is really isolated from his friends and family at this stage. And he is desperate to believe that John Oliver is John Oliver. Until one day... John says that he needs to go and pick up a new car and he does not come back. And Liam calls the police, he calls hospitals and what he is eventually told is that John Oliver isn't John Oliver and that this man who he had been sleeping next to every night for two years, his name wasn't John, it was Jodie, that he had a wife and three children and this whole history of different names and identities. And Liam still to this day does not know what's real and what was fake. Gosh. That day, Jodie Oliver was being summoned to court in Newport, Mm. which is where he pleaded guilty to six counts of fraud for the cruise ship con and he's sentenced to six years in prison. So this is the end of the road for Jodie, John, Jonathan. This is the end of the road. And he sends Liam this email and it says, I should have left and got help ages ago. I don't even know who I am and I can't live like this. I might have come out with oceans of nonsense, but I do know that whichever person I am from day to day, I have always loved you. And... I've been working on this story for nearly nine months and that is really the closest that I have ever seen to this man acknowledging him having made up these different identities and having acknowledged what he's done because again and again he's just started afresh. It's pretty wild to think back to this time last year when I knocked on Laura Colvin's door in the middle of Wales, in the middle of nowhere. And that was really the beginning of everything unravelling. It was a real zigzag of the country, just finding more and more and more people who opened the door to me gladly and were desperate to tell me about what had happened with Jodie or John or Joe or Joey. And it just completely came undone. And the beginning of it was where he was born, in Wales, and that was where it started for me as well. And and at the present day, have other charges been brought? Earlier in the summer, he pleaded guilty to 17 counts of fraud from when he was selling these fake cars in, in Worcester. And he also pleaded guilty to one count of fraud in relation to his father-in-law for £100,000. And that was when he was sentenced to another six years. And I, I went to that sentencing and the judge was exceptionally hard 
in his comments on Oliver. He called him a, a despicable fraudster. He said, The time has come to end the charade. The time for chances and leniency are over. Could you get a sense of, of how of how he was able to be so good at it. I mean, obviously he wasn't that good at it in the end and that he was caught, but he managed to keep get these scams going and running for at least a bit. Were you clear on what it was about him that made him actually quite good at it? He pretended to be the person that people wanted him to be. He listened to what people said and he understood what people wanted from a friendship or relationship or a person and he gave it to them. Yeah. And so they all adored him. And everyone that I met kept saying, you know, if you met him or if I ran into him on the street, I promise you within five minutes I would have forgiven him. You as the reporter, knowing all of this after the fact, even you would be somehow warmed to him. They said that man can talk you into anything. He is so charming. And the final question overall of, well, that skill and how he used it throughout all of these years is why? Was it about the money, do you think, or why was he doing it? There are a couple of obvious reasons, which is he seemed to be addicted to gambling online. Mm. Another potential reason is his closeted sexuality was potentially the first reason why he started living these completely separate lives on the weekend. But as it spirals into this quite frenzied, incredibly dangerous, fraught spiral of lies, you just can't help but think that he became addicted to the thrill of it all. And when you look at the times when he was kind of baiting people with his lies he must have been taken with the fabrication of it as well as the cash. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. With me, Luke Jones, and my guest, news features writer at The Sunday Times, Megan Agnew. If you're a subscriber, you can read Megan's full investigation into Jodie Oliver. And incredibly, there is more to this story than we could squeeze into one podcast. So head to thetimes.co.uk. This episode was produced by Taryn Siegel. The executive producers today were Will Rowe and Kate Ford. And sound design was by David Crackles. If you had the time of your life listening to this, do leave us a nice review. It helps other people find us. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.